Welcome to Audience First, a podcast for tech marketers looking to break out of the echo chamber to better understand their audience and turn them into loyal customers. Every week, Danny Wolf has brutally honest conversations with busy tech buyers about what really motivates them. You owe it to the world to unmute your mic. Are you ready? All right, welcome to another episode of Audience First. I'm Danny Wolf, your host, and we have a very special guest with us today. We have Diraj Pandey. Diraj, did I pronounce your last name correctly? Yeah, it's Pandey, but quite Pandey, close. okay. Pandey. Yeah. Uh, Diraj, it's nice to have you here finally. I know it took us a couple tries to get scheduled, but we're finally face-to-face. Great, great to meet you and uh, looking forward to this conversation tonight. Cool. Awesome. So, Diraj, tell me, who are you? What do you do? And why the hell do you do it? Uh, so, I am uh, basically a CISO. Um, I would say that, you know, I was at the right place at the right time. I have had a career in, in investment banking, so I've worked with a lot of investment banks before. Um, I got into security in my previous role. And uh, fortunately, when I joined my current organization, there was a CISO role, which is open and which was needed by um, by the regulator to be a separate role from um, uh, the current role, which was being double-hatted. So I got that opportunity and um, yeah, and I became a CISO and I had to clear my exams and, uh, you know, in, in the next couple of years, be completely up to speed with all my peers in the industry. So for me, it was a fast-paced um, thing. And um, I, of course, love the thrill of it. It was a very challenging phase for me, but I think um, I did well. And uh, currently, I think I've set up quite a, a good number of practices within my current organization. And, uh, you know, we are at par with uh, how the industry is and how other organizations are in the domain that I work in. What would you say that you hate most about the industry ever since you phased into it? Um, I think one of the major challenges that... Uh, you know, organizations. And, and the reason I speak about this is because, you know, um, cybersecurity can, va- can vary a lot from organization to organization. Uh, some organizations, you know, which are specifically, if, I, if we talk about a country like India, uh, where and uh, organizations which are not head office, uh, whose, whose head offices are not, are not in India, will face this challenges, a challenge a lot because... Uh, they don't have really have the, a lot of decision making capability locally, and staffing becomes an immediate challenge. Um, and uh, you know, there's so much to do because there is so much uh, the threat landscape is continuously evolving. You have to improve the security, and there's a lot of pressure from um, from from the project standpoint to deliver, upgrade the security, um, uh, upgrade our security tools and, and softwares, and also you know do more pen tests, application security tests, regulator following up, report to the board, and so on and so forth. So, you know, we have a lot of catching up to do. Um, mm. But um, the, the the staffing is, is a big challenge. The, the other challenge and the other thing which I think I'm in challenge of something which I don't really like is the fact that I think the industry is a bit nascent. And I, and I can probably talk more about this from an India standpoint because, uh, you know, a lot of people in security are self-taught. And they are in security because they have a deep interest in it. But if you look, if you compare it with, but if you look at the demand in the industry, the demand is huge. So, and if you look at, compare it with other areas like software engineering or application development, there is a 
proper pedagogy there are proper and uh, there is proper qualitative education which is and training infrastructure which is present uh, 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 because of which you know people good quality people are coming out and um, uh, it's not a hit and miss when when you're trying to look at resources and you're trying to hire because even and you can even hire freshers or people who are, who are just out of college etc so that and can train them so uh, that is something which i think is missing especially in india uh, there is a lack of quality education in the, in the cyber security area and of course staffing challenges i would say are are a, are a real real pain um, and that's something which i hate as a ciso right now what would you i mean you identified several challenges but what would you identify as your one bleeding neck challenge i think uh, i think the the you know what i was talking about something that i hate is that we have so much to do and we have very little resources to execute it because uh, um you know um uh, if you know about regulators you know that you know sp- specific industries like banking healthcare the regulation is very very strict and uh, we have very less leeway in terms of what is coming through at us um especially you know if you if you are um, i would say a smaller setup it, it's even more challenging because you have then you know your your setup regional uh, you know setup centralized in region or head offices uh versus when you have you know these regulations coming in they look at it from from a very wide angle and uh, let me give an example so if you know if a regulator writes something they would write it from the perspective of a retail bank now if you are into pure pure corporate or commercial banking uh the this the scope of the regulation for you is very limited but the lens does not change from a regulatory standpoint so for us uh uh there are it, these regulations are like books we have to go through them they come i mean they, it keeps on evolving every couple of years we get new regula- uh, we get new requirements and these are huge and uh, for us it's a bit of a catch uh, situation because we are we don't know what is applicable because it's written in, in a very very i would say broad sense it's not very pointed uh so we have to uh, kind of find assign its its meaning for us and then fight with various um, internal teams etc to to come to a point where you know not fight i mean basically discuss it with a lot of internal teams to say to say that okay this is the meaning and this is what we will do it so for us to find out the scope of of circuit of the 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 uh, the regulations which come in to find out which applications are in scope what to exclude what to include it becomes a bit of a, uh, a long haul for us and uh, because of this and the kind of multiple layers of defense and regulatory requirements and uh, you know reporting that has been put uh the already we are already behind when when you you know a hacker has only one job he has to hack right you, they don't have to report we have to report we have to uh, we have we have to maintain you know kpis kris and all, a lot of different stuff processes documents policies which a hacker doesn't have to so we are already on the back foot and so it's a continuous chase that we are in so that is something which you know can only be tackled through uh, uh, tackled through a couple of things one is you know uh, more qualitative discussion and involvement in the evolution of the regulation these are the different sectors and different geographies and of course the uh, uh, sensitization uh, 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 towards security at the highest level uh, has to be done more actively so that uh, Uh, the threats are met with adequate 
uh, resources to uh, to to mitigate them. Otherwise, you know, we are on the back foot and we are praying that we don't get hacked. Um, and uh, in case you know what, in whichever way the hack happens and at whatever phase we recognize that it has happened, we are not prepared. We are not prepared when the perimeter is breached. We are not prepared to respond to it. So, uh, you know, we are not prepared across the line of defense that we have uh, if something like that happens. So, uh, we need qualitative time to improve and we need qualitative uh, time to and resources to look at, uh, you know, where our, uh, uh, um, uh, where our gaps are and how can we evolve them um, ourselves rather than, you know, running around, uh, running behind um, on all of this reporting area, which is, of course, I would say, I would not say that it's not necessary. It is indeed a, a good mechanism, um, a process and a governance mechanism to have in place, but it does uh, create a need for time and resources, which uh, unfortunately in the industry, I would say uh, not, not everyone has, only maybe a couple of organizations would have, but a large number of organizations don't have it. Have it. Are there any uh, tools right now that you're utilizing to alleviate that challenge in the meantime, apart so, from qualitative? Yeah. Yeah. So there are, I mean, we are trying to automate uh, a lot of things that we do. Uh, we mm -hmm. are trying to um, set up internal processes in a way that uh, whatever resources we can salvage, we can utilize them to, to kind of offload this, reporting and and process management tasks for us to uh, for for it to give way to a more qualitative um, uh, uh, you know perimeter management and uh, and doing things like you know actually simulating a scenario wherein an attack has happened and how much time are we taking to respond to that attack you know to doing such kind of simulations is something that I think are very very much necessary because uh, large organizations have 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 a lot of infrastructure you know the holes can be anywhere so for us to simulate um something is 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 of paramount uh important importance but we are not able to kind of you know uh give qualitative time on that so we are the, the way that we are managing it is we uh, we are trying to get some resources to to kind of you know offload the operational day-to-day -day and reporting tasks and then you know kind of managing this uh um these aspects of uh improving our resiliency. Take me back to the day when you first decided to evaluate a new security solution to solve your challenge. Yes, Tell me what so, happened. Yes. So let me, let me give you an example of how we approach it. And again, it has to come from uh, the aspect of this, this, this setup, which I was explaining to you about. So any entity, so like I'm, I'm, uh, um, you know, I'm in a, in a bank, which has a local entity, but it is, uh, the security teams are centralized, uh, in region and in our head office. So, uh, you know, the, the tools and the overall global security roadmap is something which we are a part of, but uh, the decision-making is, is centralized in the region and, and in our head office. So we are typically not, uh, we are, you know, we, we have a say in it, but we, uh, uh, we are not part of the deployment of it. So we don't evaluate vendors for uh, finding out uh, typically valued vendors. And this is, true for all foreign entities which have their offices elsewhere while they are you know centralized in um, in, in a specific location the, the decision making is top down so and i am at the um, i mean i'm i'm a CISO for one of the uh, geographical entities so for me also the 
this top down approach is is something that is followed so we what we typically do is we uh, we look for security vendors and i can tell you an example tell you you know how do we go about it and uh, because we need to conduct a lot of local tests like penetration tests and um, application security tests etc and uh, what we do is that uh, 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 as a practice that is followed here in india at least is that we ask for referrals and uh, from our networks and uh, or we look at some some organizations which have a good reputation uh, typically who have worked with organizations like ours uh, in in another geographies or with with uh, similar setups and we look for direct proof of concept with them so if they have uh, for example uh, in india data localization was a big thing uh, right uh, you need to uh there was a there was an incident which happened uh, i think a couple of years back because of which uh, uh, uh there was a breach and the data was not able to be brought back to india because uh, the data was not in india so uh the regulation has evolved for banks to have all of the the payment data end to end payment data in india so that in case there is an event which happens uh the entire chain of uh, events can be uh, uh you know can be established so so we you know we we when we were looking for a for a security vendor to to conduct this audit and and find out how we can you know uh, implement uh, 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 this regulation for us we 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 we, sh- we went ahead and we asked in our local ciso networks and uh, this is something which as i said you know i've seen quite extensively people would post in the ciso networks and that's how uh, and this is true even for uh, for 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 products and softwares you know people ask for uh, for referrals and um, basis the feedback that is given uh, uh the the people who are uh, chosen uh, is basis this referral at large something that which i see very extensively and then we also look at you know if we are looking for for example as i said payment data localization was one aspect and if vendors were well aware about that we used to get messages on linkedin etc and uh, if we would found someone suitable we would uh, you know uh, basis their messaging invite them for uh, a debrief and then we would select a couple of vendors basis their experience pricing and uh, and similar nature of work which they have done for a different bank uh, we would select them on competence experience and budget we do continuously evaluate so for example we evaluate for forensics for uh, setting up a you know a forensics preparedness we evaluate vendors for that so it's not before or after we we continuously do basis the need and this is our own internal risk uh, uh, management framework uh, whatever new risks are coming up we are continuously looking at vendors uh, for either regulations or basis the internal framework that we have so i give you example of penetration test application security test so we we, we get vendors for that and uh, then also you know regulation based and uh, like as I, as i was explaining to you we 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 would you know want to do a test when we are simulating uh, the attack and looking at uh, at least from a process standpoint when do a forensic vendor comes in what does he do etc etc so all of this is something which we are you know in the uh, Uh, in the current time trying trying to implement uh, within the organization are there any differences or anomalies uh right now in the indian market that vendors can take advantage of or learn from 
Yes. Uh, one thing which I clearly see is uh, which kind of stands out for me is the fact that I you know see uh, people are not interacting genuinely. They uh, they generally have a sales mindset. So you know, uh, every time a vendor comes through the door, what they are looking for us is uh, they, what they are looking at is just a closure of a deal. And for me, uh, I can see that pressure. Uh, on on them uh, because you know it's a competitive field. Everybody wants to wants to wants to you know get a project and with a reputed organization. So uh, instead of you know asking us problems, they are saying yes. Sometimes vendors say yes to anything that we are asking them to, and uh, and that comes out very clearly. And after the service happens, and after you know a project is delivered or an ongoing basis when we are receiving services. Feedback is something which is missing, which I think vendors can take advantage of. Vendors should take advantage of because e either you are using product or product as a service, or if you're using a service in in security, there it has to be backed by a proper service. And this the service mindset is something which I think is missing at large <clears throat> in the security in in the security space. It's it's very much there if you would look at other areas like software development or you know you. Know, uh, teams which are uh, doing application development as a service, uh, but in security, I don't see vendors going ahead and you know taking feedback or the, having that that mindset of service. And uh, if a vendor, for example, one of the vendors that we were working with, they did it, and that is something which really stood out for me. And I uh, and I really appreciated them generally talking to me and instead of <clears throat> you know trying to sell trying to understand what are the areas that we are working on and is there some, is there some way in which they can support us and uh, having frequent um, service evaluation calls or or, or, or catch-up calls with us so that you know they can help they can serve us better serve us better <laughs> so this is something which I think you know um, is missing in the industry and I uh, uh, I think the industry is moving in the direction but Currently, a lot of uh, this mindset of service security, um, um, service-based mindset is missing in security uh, uh, firms which are offering security as a service. That's an interesting point, um, and I, I, gener I generally strongly agree with you. Um, I, I just want to drill down into that a little bit more because I, I want to know why you think that there isn't enough service-based or, or service mindset in security. I think uh, I think it has to do with maturity of um, the uh, you know a, a maturity of the industry as a whole, mm -hmm. and uh, <clears throat> I can I, I mean I mean and it can differ from geography to geography. There are a lot of nuances, but it's difficult to paint a, I mean paint it with a single brush. Uh, but what I can definitely say is that in India, it's a bit nascent. Uh, mm. A lot of small organizations have come into the foray. Uh, meaning, meaning, example: if I if I'm a security guy, right, I have experience in security. I see that there's a lot of demand in the market, right? Uh, there's a there's a gap. There's a lot of demands. So I start out start out on my own, and because of course I don't have the resources to <clears throat> pump into marketing, I hire someone to do marketing and sales, which probably would who probably has very little experience of marketing and sales and, that, and it may be because of budget constraints. So, uh, you know, it ends up uh, 
like that. So a lot of organizations coming up with very little experience can be one contributing factor to it. And as I said, because the market is a bit nascent, I think with, uh, with, with, uh, uh, because we go to industry forums and we talk about these things. So with feed, with the feedback that we are giving extensively to vendors, uh, this, this aspect will definitely come because, uh, you know, you cannot, uh, um, uh, organizations would evolve to, to compete at the highest level. Otherwise, uh, you know, organizations which are not customer focused or don't have this mindset in the long run will perish. So I think with time it will come and uh, uh, with, as the market matures, all of these small firms which are kind of right there would either mature or perish or you know get merged into a bigger form or something like that. Uh, but yeah, I think this, this this definitely is a pain point pain point for me because we received I mean I've received service in the past and uh, uh, it's just that you know it, it happens like uh, like clockwork. It happens, it happens, it happens, and we don't get to we except one one or two vendors we, we never got to interact with them and project is done uh, we, we go to the next year and we again do the project why is this service mindset and this approach important for you this is important for me because um uh as i as i i mean as i mentioned that for for a cyber security somebody who's who's, who's a CISO, right it is important that uh uh, 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 we are continuously evaluating vendors. So, uh, for me to run to ten different places, and uh, every time I have a new requirement going out in the market, because if I'm kind of you know if I don't have a very good rapport with uh, the existing vendors which I have, I would probably go out and uh, and you know ask about something in the market. And if I have a good rapport with the vendors that I have, I would probably know that. Because we'll have a constructive discussion, right? They will ask me about my problems. I will tell them. They will tell me about the solutions. So whenever I have a new, uh, a new, new requirement, I will not again go to the drawing board and look for vendors and you know send out an RFP in the market and and ask for X Y Z. So that's why it's important. It's beneficial for me and it's very beneficial for them as well. Um, so that's that's why it's important. Yeah, I always claim and, and I always state to to my audience, to the followers and in in other podcasts that I speak on that it, it has to be a bi-directional relationship. It has to be value driven on both sides for sure. Right. So I appreciate right. that. Thank you. Um I, I wanna ask, and, and it's storytelling time. This is this is where I, I open up the the door to the shit list. What's the yeah. worst thing that you've experienced from a vendor? I think I experience it a lot every day on LinkedIn. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, on LinkedIn, on my emails. Uh, I don't know where, yeah. where these uh, people get my email from, but okay, I mean, it's easy to get. Um, I, I know. Um, I get so many messages on LinkedIn, and these messages are directly uh, direct sales. Direct sales. Yeah. And I think the, the example which I was telling you about, you know, smaller organizations hiring someone to do their work and somebody who doesn't have an experience in marketing and sales, but knows that LinkedIn is a tool. They go and search, they buy a sales navigator subscription. They go and search for CISO as a keyword and whatever comes up, they have a message which they send out. So the issue is that if hundred people or 500 people do this, uh, it kind of, you know, uh, dilutes the value that LinkedIn, uh, I mean, or any other tool, I mean, LinkedIn, I'm using it, LinkedIn as an example or any other, sales or marketing tool has 
because for me if i'm bombarded so much i basically stop checking my messages and what happens in that case is good vendors uh, I, I may be missing good vendors but i don't have the time to go through 20 uh, 30 um, message uh, messages that i get every day and sometimes what happens is that i one person i mean somebody has messaged me and he's copy pasting the same messages 10 times to me on on linkedin so it's uh, that is something which kind of you know puts me off a little bit uh, um when it comes to the sales based and whenever we're talking about vendors we can talk about different aspects right so i'm talking more from a sales perspective that that kind of some that's something which puts me off from a sales perspective i would expect a vendor to <clears throat> to to be one to be to do proper research right for example uh, if you are targeting so who is your target right who is your target and what are their pain points so if your target if you have a solution which is more catered towards the indian market uh, that doesn't mean that every CISO who is in the Indian market is a potential for you. What it means is that maybe Indian banks or organizations with head offices in India are a proper, uh, you know, are, are a proper target audience for you. And organizations who have who are foreign based but have offices in India are not a target for you because the, the nature of operations is very different and the decision making is very different. The structure is very different. So for, for so bombarding us will 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 get you nowhere. So to find out who your target audience is, find out their pain points, find out who are the decision makers, and after you find all of these things, do proper engagement and then take the conversation further rather than sending out direct messages uh, and you know filling up the inboxes. Uh, um, I think because of the the everybody knows that it, uh, i come back to linkedin everybody knows that linkedin is a great tool so it's being used with no knowledge and because of which i think its utility is kind of getting diluted at least it happens for me i don't check my messages too often on linkedin only i mean a couple of people i know i, I interact with I, I would go on linkedin and talk to but from vendors if i see a sales message i immediately don't you know open that message or i don't act on it what sparked you to to <clears throat> approve my message? What was different? Uh, I think your message. I don't remember when how we started to interact. Uh, I think it was um, me. It was actually me who messaged you because I I, I heard one of your podcasts and uh, I was I, I really liked because it's it came out fresh to me. Right as I was telling you, right, it's a two way thing. It's value driven both sides. You said it's value driven both sides, right? So uh, when I see value, when you see value, you, you hear a good conversation, a genuine conversation, non-salesy stuff. You kind of want to learn and listen more about it. So I think I messaged you saying that you know if, if uh, uh, you, know, you are open for a podcast, I would like you to know, speak about something. So and then from there our conversation started. So so see it. Imagine if you were a salesperson doing a podcast which you've become now, uh, how beneficial it is for you that somebody, you know, um, you're getting an inbound inquiry rather than you going outbound helter-skelter in all directions and, you know, no, not getting uh, a qualitative uh, lead. Okay, you may get messages from 10 people, but uh, you know, it's, it may or may not be, be meaning anything because you're not targeting the right set of uh, audience. So I think all of this is very, very available in the market and with a little bit of intelligence, uh, you can Google stuff up and find this out. But 
uh, currently it's not happening in the industry. Much. I love I, I love that you mentioned figure out who your target audience is. Uh, that is super critical. And the way that I've done it was taking a look at the revenue data, taking a look at who are the top high value customers that are bringing in the revenue and taking a look at the, the profiles there so that I can uh, develop the ideal customer and take a look at that list of, of job roles, uh, job uh, titles and, and jo- uh, functions go build an ideal customer profile, look through LinkedIn to identify who fits those profiles within the verticals and within the function, and then start doing that qualitative uh, uh, data research, right? The the customer research and that uh, the buyer research, super critical. And you are right. It was you who reached out and connected, which is super awesome. I see here in the message that you're interested in demand gen and a CISO. So that's interesting that you're interested in demand gen. I commend you. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, because I've been following up demand gen uh, podcasts uh, uh, I, on LinkedIn. I listened to it. Uh, marketing used to be an area of interest for me. And uh, as, I, you know, as we've been discussing for me, the way uh, uh, you know, a customer is being educated uh, is not right. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say people are not people are uh, not valuing uh, the aspect which needs to happen at the top of the funnel. Mm. So that is educating your customer. So for you educating your customer, you need to find out who your customer is. Right? You don't know who your customer is. You've not done the work to do the research on your customer profile, finding out the pain points, and then mapping <coughs> their job roles. Map, uh, finding out you know what what's your exclusion list is on LinkedIn, uh, etc. And targeting the, those specific audiences, those those specific revenue sizes, locations, uh, in nature of industry, job titles, and then a very very razor sharp building a very razor sharp list based on what you exactly do, and then with a very good approach, uh, engagement based approach, reaching out to them, uh, uh, and of course you know. If somebody has a problem, if you know them, you know they have a problem, you have a solution, you have a good approach to reach out, it's a match. So it, it, it will, the sales will work out. But uh, very few vendors or people are doing this uh, in the market. Right now. Look at that, the CISO is schooling the marketer. I love it. I love it. I could <laughs> listen to this all day. You make a very compelling case here, right? Top of funnel education what resonates with you as a security practitioner in terms of education? One from a topical standpoint, we'll, we'll split this question into two, one from a topical standpoint and two from a asset or media type standpoint. Okay. So let's, uh, I can, you know, from a media standpoint, I think uh, podcasts are, 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 are a definite, uh, are a definite uh, yes for me. Uh, the second thing which I look forward to is uh, industry conferences, which are very topical again. Again, as I said, you know, like on LinkedIn, I get calls, 10 calls every day inviting me for different things which I am completely unrelated to. But I, uh, they are somewhere tangenting on the security perimeter and, and because of which I get a call. Uh, so yeah, but industry forums are uh, uh, very important, uh, especially if you 
especially if I get them from vendors who know that this is an area of concern for me, I, I, I love to attend, attend, uh, uh, attend that because it's a lot of good information and discussion on that, zeroed in on that topic. So for me, it's very important. Um, other than that, if I get, um, you know, topical, it's a, it's a mix of, again, topic and, and media bases. Is if, if I get uh, white papers and ebooks on uh, the evolving landscape on security, for example, cloud security, uh, application security, uh, um, or the way, um, uh, you know, the threat management is done or the way security operations are being run exact i'm just giving examples i would love to mm-hmm. I, I would love to dig in on that and, and read it a little bit so i think these are a couple of things which i kind of look forward to so for example if somebody if i do a post or if i uh, if i see a post wherein somebody is talking about this i would go and like it and uh, you know for somebody who's posting it if he sees it or sees it, is liking it probably reaches out to me saying that you know you've liked or commented on this we have this this free ebook on this would you be interested and of course i'm interested in and from there the conversation flows again if i'm looking if i'm if i'm hearing a podcast i reached out to you you know and i'm working with my existing vendors they call me for uh, for for an, for an industry event on a specific topic it's an area of interest for me uh, if i need a vendor uh, if i if i need a service on that they are the ones who i go to so these are the things you know which i think are so it's all education based there's nobody selling anything to me. Nobody has sold me anything, right? They are offering, somebody's offering me a free book. Somebody is offering me a very good qualitative content over a podcast. And somebody is inviting me to, to for me to learn what is it that they are doing and how probably it can help me. So education, it's, it's the key. The so sales happens automatically after that. I'm going to dig deeper because that's that it's a it's a good answer. I'm not satisfied. I'll tell you why, (laughs) because I I've written and I've produced a lot of educational content. And that to me, it's it sounds uh, and feels still like a very general topic. And so I want to get more specific. Right. So tell me uh, what. What about cloud security or application security? What specific topics resonate with you that educate you and teach you something new? Because there are so many state of the cloud security landscape. There are so many of those eBooks and white papers out there. But what in your eyes would stand out and and really like really pop out? in in the sea of marketing material on LinkedIn and on, on Google search and on, on uh, vendor websites? Okay, so that's an interesting question. I would say it kind of depends on, you know, uh, uh, so again, it depends on your customer research itself because, you yeah. know, uh, if you know uh, that, uh, for example, the regulation in that space and Unfortunately, as I said before, you know, the the evolution is also regulatory dependent um, in a lot of cases, whether we like it or not. But uh, so if you know, for I, I'll go back to the example of the payment data localization, which I was speaking to you about. So if, if you're a vendor and uh, you know that the, uh, the industry needs this solution, if you, uh, it, so it, it has to be timing based. Of course, and it has to be uh, uh, or, or a threat vector based on that which is currently going on, and a CISO would be interested in it. 
um, and and of course more in general uh, regulation based as well so based on these factors if i get something i would definitely want to want to get a uh, want to get a copy of it or want to hear more about it got it so to reiterate and just to, just to reinforce here that customer research and the validation is critical to informing your content strategy yeah awesome. the more the, the more the more deeper you are uh, in knowing your customer and knowing what's going on in the market uh, uh, in the customer I mean the segments that you service uh, is will, will will lead you much more work than bombarding people randomly on this <laughs> or anywhere else or on their emails etc uh, mm-hmm. which is you know and it and it's really i'm really happy that we are talking about this here because i don't know which organizations except you know the, the really big ones dwell into demand gen uh, at least i have not really seen it happen um, maybe only top 2 3 percent of the vendors may be doing it but there's a lot of scope a lot of good vendors and uh, you know service providers are there in the industry uh, just the, the approach has to be mod- modulated uh, and, uh, and 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 then you know the industry will evolve and i think it will uh, people will get more value and uh, uh, and more closure i mean closer matches to the requirements on both sides okay well we're uh, we're heading towards the end of the session i do want to know before we sign off is there anything you want to impart on the audience Yes, I think uh, uh, one of the things which I want to, which I was, which I have been speaking about quite uh, a lot in this podcast, at least, is that uh, you know, if you're a sub, if you're a, if you're a security vendor listening to it, or somebody who is in that chain, uh, <clears throat> constructively engaging with, uh, firstly knowing your target audience, and then constructively engaging with them, uh, is the way to go about. Uh, because uh, because of course you know the cybersecurity leadership needs it and uh, uh, we we are not in that phase or we were in the phase that we can you know kind of uh, uh, deal with so much of bombardment on uh, to us because we are a CISO and uh, you you find it and you we kind of kind of get bombarded by it so. So, so, so go ahead with with a good approach, and I think uh, uh, you more and more vendors will definitely get a chance to speak to uh, the buying committee or or the CISOs or the CIOs of uh, of various organizations. Got it. I love it. This has been an absolute pre- pleasure, Diraj. And as always, you're you're more than welcome to return to the show and provide us your valuable insights. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much. It was a great. Uh, conversation i loved it and uh, pleasure to be on the show again sometime awesome much appreciated thank you thanks for tuning in to this episode of audience first if you like what you've heard feel free to follow or subscribe to audience first on apple spotify or any of your favorite podcast streamers